Hi friends, welcome back. How is it going? I missed you last week. We took some time off. By we, it was in me. It was a wild week, but we are caught up and I am so excited for today's episode because I'm bringing on Julie Kreis, who has been my osteopath for the past almost four and a half-ish months now. So working with an osteopath has been a huge, huge part of my healing journey that I will discuss more in my solo episode. However, this episode is a little bit different because I actually take some time and I share kind of some of the issues that I was having and why I decided to see an osteopath and how it's worked for me. So yeah, and why I decided to have Julie on here because prior to going to an osteopath, I had no idea really what it was. It was kind of a very like vague term and vague treatment in my mind, just because of like when when someone goes and they receive treatment, the way that they explain it to you like doesn't really make sense because it's like, wait, these little movements can really make such a huge impact on your body and like yeah they really can and i know they're not as common in america but here in canada we do have a number of osteopaths and so i think it's just a great opportunity to kind of bring julie on have her share her story learn a little bit more about what osteopathy is, how it can help you. And also Julie does share a lot about the importance of breath work and mindfulness because these are things that she has in her everyday practice. She has absolutely changed my life. And yeah, I hope that you enjoy. But what else would I like to share? It is the final year stretch and this for me is like the weirdest time of the year always every single year i don't know it feels like it's like a weird reflection period but like in a very i want to say like toxic sense like you feel like you haven't done enough or you haven't achieved enough you didn't make most of your time which is so silly so i'm gonna use this for me as a reflection period of just how much i was able to accomplish for myself this year in terms of healing you know anything like moving my body as much as i was able to just like little things like that i'm just gonna take it as time to reflect on the abundance and how many wonderful things happened and all that i was able to do during such a weird time I hope that you are nourishing yourselves and your bodies and getting some movement in and treating your body with kindness because it can get a lot. I, yeah, I'm kind of just going to stop rambling here. I hope that this episode brings you some like clarity or hope in regards to your journeys, but yeah, just going to stop talking now. So I will hope to see you guys soon and enjoy the episode. 
Before we get into today's episode, we have a quick message from our sponsors over at Acid League. Acid League is an acid-driven food and drinks company with experimentation at its core. Founded by an interdisciplinary team of food scientists and entrepreneurs, Acid League strives to bring culinary creativity to the curious home cook, merging gastronomy with gut health and refusing to compromise flavor or function. Enjoy the flavor trip with their living vinegars, innovative condiments, and wine proxies, a new take on non-alcoholic wine and the ideal weeknight dinner drink when you just want something special but don't need the alcohol. For a limited time only, get 15% off your first order at acidleak.com with code LEMON15. Now to our episode. Hi, Julie. How are you doing? Hi, Michelle. I'm doing really well. How are How are you? I'm doing well. And Listeners, just so you know, this is the second time I have ever seen Julie without a mask. And we've been working (laughs) together for almost three and a half or four months now. I I think we met in September. Yes. And I've seen you've been a part of my life once a week and always in a mask. So it's so nice and it's so different. Yeah. But I'm excited to chat with you today to talk more about what you do and just more about the field of osteopathy. Am I saying it right? Osteopathy. Osteopathy. Yeah, but then it you say osteopath. Okay. So what a weird thing in English language. Osteopathy. <laughs> I always have pronunciation problems. So thank you for correcting me. So how's your week going though? Let's talk about that. Yeah, my week is going okay. I plan my schedule so that I take a day off in the middle of the week as kind of like a recovery and reset for the next part of my week Mm -hmm. in my busy practice. So So busy. You see so many people every day. (laughs) I do. Very (laughs) hands-on. Very hands-on. Very hands-on. Okay, so why don't we just start about what is it? So (laughs) osteopathy (laughs) is... uh, Like, how do we want to talk about it, right? I feel like I could spend hours talking about it, and there's so many different ways of explaining it. In my practice, I explain it kind of based on the person that I'm seeing and maybe kind of their issues if they ask me about it. But essentially, it's a very hands-on, manual practice, the way that I was trained, based on principles. So the first principle is that the body, mind, and spirit are interrelated, We know this 100%, even if we don't always like fully feel it and live it in our hearts, like we, we really, we really know this. And my practice on the table, yes, it's very hands-on, it's very physical, but I'm also in remembrance constantly that this person is a mind and also is a spirit. And for me, my practice is a spiritual practice. Second principle is that the body is self-healing and self-regulating. And I think that I have such a truly deep belief in this. Like if you, if you cut your finger, your body knows how to like send mast cells, coagulate the blood, stop the healing macrophages. Like it, it knows how to do that practice. It's an innate within it. And when that isn't happening, we kind of turn to the third principle, that the structure and the function of the body are interrelated. So I think of this as in like with the knowledge of anatomy, of physiology, of biomechanics, I can use my hands and really gentle motions to help adjust the structure of the body so that it can function in the most optimal way possible. It's so funny that you say gentle because I remember when I 
I never knew too much about it, but the very few conversations I had with individuals that told me that they were seeing an osteopath, straight up, they were just like, well, this person is touching your body. You really don't think anything's happening. It's like very light. And then you just like feel better. And these are people, well, the first person that ever told me about it, this was like, they were in recovery from a car accident. And this was like five or seven years down the line. And they Mm -hmm. still had trauma in their body. Their neck was still hurting. And like the chiropractor wasn't helping. RMT wasn't helping. And like, these are all different things that you can try. And like the only thing that was able to help this person was an osteopath. And they were so blown away that these like few subtle movement, gentle movements completely changed how they felt. And it wasn't something that they had to religiously do every single week, which is another, I think that's so beautiful too. It's like something that you have to do all the time in order Mm -hmm. to feel good. That's not setting you up for success, right? Right. Like it's it's putting a Band-Aid on the solution and then you have to replace that Band-Aid instead of finding the root cause of the issue. And osteopathy really seeks to do that. And uh, going back to the gentle piece, it's working mechanically, like I'm moving joints around, and it's also working neurophysiologically. The nervous system is the queen of the body. I used to say in my practice that the nervous system and the endocrine system were the two queens, but really the nervous system controls the endocrine system, so I please the queen. I try to help people like get unwind in their nervous system. So it's so gentle so that we can actually get kind of underneath that part of you that might be holding on to something in your body. So we can unwind and and let that go. Wow. Okay. So what else? I want to know a little bit of the history of it, like where it came to be. Like I know, I really feel like majority of people don't know much. Right. Like... (laughs) (laughs) It's such a question mark. But another thing you and I have spoken about offline is more so that you're seeing it a lot more too. Like I'm seeing it at spas and stuff, but still people don't really understand what it is or the history behind it. So whatever knowledge you have, I would love for you to kind of like share that. Okay. So osteopathy is innately, was founded and coined, and we have air quotes here, in America by a man named Andrew Taylor Still around the 1800s. He was actually a Western medical practitioner, but I think there's a story about like his wife and three of his four children getting bacterial meningitis and Western medicine not being able to help them and save them and they died. And he was obviously very distraught by putting all of his energy and effort into this practice and it it wasn't able to help people. So he started studying anatomy and how it affects the physiology and started working with the mechanics of people's bodies. I had a very whitewashed version of the history in the school. This man obviously had contact with uh, people from China who were working on the railroad. And he also had a lot of contact with like Native American indigenous communities to, he was in Kansas for a while. He was in Virginia. He was in Missouri. He had a lot of contact with those people. And he learned from them. He also learned from the structure of the body. So once again, like, I feel very thankful to him. And also, I really understand that there are, like, so many faults in the way that osteopathy was founded and formed. 
He started this first school in the end of the 1800s, I believe. He was a really great proponent for women and for people of color to come to his school with either like half tuition or for like completely free. And then osteopathy was kind of practiced in this way that I practice, very like manual and hands-on, until the introduction of pharmaceuticals in the 1960s. And then the schools in America switched focus to become more like a Western medicine school. I think now people studying in America do like 200 hours of hands-on training unless they special in OMM or osteopathic manipulative medicine. And most of them are kind of doctors like we know them today. They can work in a hospital, they can be, have a family practice and write prescription. There's very little hands-on in America. It's really difficult. Like I don't have an osteopath to send to my mom, to send my mom to. I wish I had that in, in America. I, it's my American friends that have no idea what it like I, I tell them about it and they're like, what is that? Mm-hmm. It's so wild. It's like, it's sad too because yeah. like, it, it helps me so much, but yeah. Yeah, and there's a resurgence in, in Canada and in the UK, in Australia, where osteopathy is more manual and especially in, I would say like, I graduated school maybe four years ago, and I feel like it's we're getting more saturated and more people are knowing to try osteopathy maybe in the beginning instead of the very last thing that they try. Because how many people have gone to a massage therapist, a chiropractor, which are really good, but sometimes it doesn't, it, they don't have the same results. Yeah. Oh, I mean, I'll share a little bit about my story too, but you were my last straw. <laughs> yeah. It's your last resort. I see people like that all the time come into my practice and it's really great if maybe osteopathy is kind of the first choice. I want to know what your journey was to get to this point and how you first heard about it and how you got interested in it and like what kind of was your like awakening with that? Yeah, I am on a like a lifelong journey with my own body, mind and spirit. When I was younger, I had some really interesting medical things going on. Growing up in the States, I've had I think like nine surgeries, some major, some minor which feels like, I want to say the American way, like we'll operate on this. We don't know what to do. I feel like that happens less in Canada. I meet less people who have had similar things to me and actually had surgery for them. And also like thankful for the opportunities that I had being able to do that. Some of those injuries, I I was injured by a healthcare practitioner and that definitely made me not want to should I elaborate on this a little bit yeah. more? Yeah. Because one, so uh, there's a couple of really interesting things that happened in my youth. I shattered a, like a bone in my leg. And I remember being like, I'm going to be an orthopedic surgeon. I just wanted to like work with bones and read x-rays. And I, I really remember like, telling my grandmother that when I was younger. When I was 17, I had a cyst on my right ovary and it torqued and strangled my fallopian tube and it cut off the blood sp- supply. So we needed to do an emergency surgery to remove the cyst, the ovary, and the fallopian tube. 
Six months later, I started having really intense, I was a high school tennis player, I started having really intense left SI joint pain, and I went to a practitioner and they articulated my sacrum, go back to playing tennis. I did, it I popped out again. I can't believe you like were still an active child after like those major types of surgeries. Yeah. Wow. Always active, like yeah. always like functioning in yeah. the best of my ability. And it happened again. And on the third time after I went to this practitioner, I felt like a crumbling in my low back. And then I had really intense nerve pain all down my left leg. And now that I know what I know about anatomy and physiology, like there, it was a five minute treatment. It was a quick adjustment. There was no acknowledgement to that I had just lost um, a part of my reproductive system. I know now that like nerve supply, blood supply is very, very linked. I mean, we're talking about pelvic organs and we're talking about, so left SI is like that like part of your low back where your sacrum meets your ilium. So you can kind of like think about like low left pelvis. I, I'm like nodding and I'm like, I have no <laughs> clue what this is, but sure. Yes. Yeah, yes. so that's what we're dealing with. So that was another big part. But then I went to school. I went to Philadelphia. I studied art history. I lived in Rome for a year. I moved to California. I worked in New York. And I was like working in the art world and it was really stressful and I wasn't fulfilled. I wanted to work with my hands. My job was like a lot of pressure and I was also really young. I was working as a performance artist as well. I was really into like the whole drug, sex, rock and roll scene. Wonderful, so fun, but like had a lot of responsibility at my job and didn't really like it. Didn't feel fulfilled by it. So I ended up getting, I moved back to Philadelphia, which is like a theme in my life. I feel like I always return to that city and it welcomes me. And I started, I got a yoga teacher training certificate. I started teaching yoga. I did some traveling through Southeast Asia and taught yoga there and was really, was then like fell in love and went to Canada. So in Canada, I actually got a chance to... You have a Canadian accent by when you say Canada. I'm obsessed. Really? Yes, because Americans like <laughs> laugh at how we say Canada, but you now say it. Like, I know. I really like... I've been here for nine years, so I feel like I, I definitely have a Canadian... A little bit of a Canadian accent. I love it. Which I don't even realize. So... You came to I Canada. came to Canada <laughs> and... Osteopathy is here is different than osteopathy in the States. And I saw an osteopath. And in 2007, another two surgeries that I, I had was like I shattered my fibula, which is, is a bone on, on your leg. So lower leg, you have the tibia, which supports your weight, and then the fibula. Lots of muscle attachment. So I have a metal plate there. And my ankle was swollen for so many years. Just like healed, yes, but like never really, really healed. So I went to an osteopath and the next day my ankle swelling was so much less. And this was probably four to five years after the two surgeries that I had. And I was like, wow, there's something here. I was able to start school as I was immigrating and getting a permanent residency here. And that's kind of how I got into osteopathy. Wow. 
taking a quick break from that episode with a message from our sponsors. The holidays don't have to be boozy. With Acid League's Wine Proxies, the most interesting drink at the party might just be non-alcoholic. Proxies are a whole new form of beverage, not the de-alcoholized wine, but layered blends of juices, teas, spices, bitters, and more, with all the complexity of wine and none of the alcohol. Non-alcoholic wine is often one note and overly sweet, but by starting from the ground up to create a replacement that truly fits the wine occasion, Proxies let you take a night off without taking a night off. For a limited time only, try Proxies for 15% off at acidleague.com with the code lemon 15 now back to our episode okay so i do want to share my personal journey and like how i ended up coming into your office and what got me here and then i'd love for you to kind of like share your take on it and like from the perspective of you someone yeah. that was like working on me yeah that sounds so great so i will be having like my own episode to talk more about like my healing journey but at this point in my life it was like i had been like there were little things about my day to day that i was like i am 28 years old i should not be feeling this way like i i felt my body and my bones aging. And also on top of that, it was like, I had horrible periods, like terrible, it, it terrible from the start of like ovulation. I felt my ovulation, like I still kind of do, we're working through that. I feel my ovulation. It's extremely uncomfortable for about three days. And then when it comes to my period, it's like two days of hell on earth and nothing helps. And I'm not able to kind of like support my body by taking something like naproxen because I, I developed an allergy to it. And like, you know, CBD only works like once and it doesn't work all the time. And it's just not really a way to live your life. Like as a female, I can't just have one week out of the month that I'm functioning. Like that's just not how life is. So it was that. And then when I'm talking about my, my bones feeling old, it was like, if I sat for like over an hour, or if I sat in a specific position, the aches and pains of my lower back were like, I was like, what is happening? You like, couldn't squat. I couldn't squat. Well, I said <laughs> that yeah, I couldn't squat the, the lower back, like nerve pain. It was like sitting on a toilet was painful. Sitting on a couch was painful. Sitting on my desk chair. Granted, we all, you know, not we all, but for those of us working at a desk, it's like, yes, well, you know, having a comfortable chair would change things. But I really just think it's the way that I was sitting. And another thing too was that I vividly remember from a young age forever, I had concave shoulders. So when I would just naturally stand, I was like, my shoulders were like drooping over my body. So I never stood like kind of straight. My walking was weird. So I in my heart, I was like, I don't know if any of this is related. I tried a naturopath. I've done elimin. I've done like elimination diets. I've done herbs, everything. Like guys, like literally, I've done everything. And I was on my final straw with my journey in the sense that I was like, okay, I'm just gonna, you know, dish out another X amount of money and go to this, go to my naturopath, and I'm just gonna spend money on testing for X, Y, and Z. And it was like my final. And in my heart, something in my gut, I kind of was just like, you know what? No, I'm gonna figure this out myself. Obviously, when you say you're gonna figure out something yourself, if you're not a doctor, it's like <laughs> you do have to do extensive research, which I totally get. So 
something inside of me was like, I have a feeling, I really think that this has to do with maybe an alignment issue. Maybe my bones aren't like together. I don't know. I just, I knew that going to the naturopath was not going to help me. I've done so many different tests and I just like, this wasn't it. Another thing, bloating was, was one of the things too. So sorry if I'm like going on a tangent and it's like, my story is not linear, but neither is life. And so, yeah, my friend Jackie, who's actually our mutual friend, has like, just go to Julie. And I'm like, what do you mean? She's like, just go to Julie. Like, but I'm like, but what did you go for? And Jackie came for like an actual, like an injury type thing. Like for me, this is like my reproductive system. This is like how I sit. And she's like, just go. And I was like, you know what? Like, I'm going to do it. I'm open to everything. Like I try everything at least once because I think when you're on that journey and you just want to feel yeah, good. you're seeking. You'll do anything. Of course. You will do anything. Oh, and I have done <laughs> everything as well. So I remember booking our session and I came in and I just sat here and you're like, what's wrong? And I'm like, everything's wrong. And yeah, we did the assessment. And what I loved so much about you is that you gave me a timeline and a lot of people do not do that because when you provide a timeline, it's not like you're not holding yourself accountable. You just, you're holding my body accountable. You're like, I'm going to help you. I'm going to fix you. I'm going to try to fix you, but I'm going to set you up for success. And this isn't like, we're not going to be together forever. It's, this is a temporary, this is a temporary procedure to a permanent solution. And I love that. And that's why I was like, I believe you. And when I got on that table, I had like such a a spiritual experience in the sense that I felt it, it was more so of a healing for me that I I was seeing different chakra colors. I was like feeling heat and I was like this woman like literally like it's, she's going to help me. So, yeah, now it's been I've listened to you our like 8 week m- weekly my periods have changed like exponentially. We're on the third cycle now yeah. since we've seen each other. And for, my, for me personally, it's like my pain has gone from a 12 yeah. <laughs> to like a five. And I, I think a five is like, I think a lot of people, everyone's at a five. You yeah, know? I mean, like, not everyone. I think that like maybe there's like some spikes normal. and things yeah. like that. Yeah, I haven't treated you probably in a month Mm -hmm. and I think you're doing well we'll do a tune-up next week I love it I'm so excited (laughs) for next week but so that that was that was it and I before you you share I just want for those listening to understand that it affects everyone in a different way I think everyone has different needs and wants with their body I think my body was very receptive to the treatment and it was very evident that I needed this kind of work Osteopathy is really exceptional because it it focuses on finding health in the body. Western medicine, when they read your blood work, when they look at scans, they're looking for disease. (laughs) They're looking for disease. I'm looking for health. I'm looking for areas that are doing well and spreading them around to the rest of the body. So I would love for you to share... (laughs) Your take on me walking in here and how that. That is how, like, the way that Jackie Beal talks about me is how I hope that all of my patients, like, I I really love my practice. I really love that I don't advertise or market myself. It's really, like, if you help someone, 
They're going to tell someone. If you really help someone, they're going to tell multiple people. If you really help someone, they're going to bring you your their mother or their baby, which is like the highest regards to me. When people bring me their like very most precious family members, like I really feel that so deeply in my heart. When someone walks in and we start having a chat, I'm taking notes and I'm listening to what they're saying. I'm also listening to the way that they say it. I'm also thinking about the parts of the body that are kind of maybe stemming from just with my knowledge of the anatomy, what they're kind of talking about. And I think that with you, it was really interesting. Like we had a treatment And I gave you a timeline, which I do sometimes, sometimes I don't. I'm at the point in my practice where I'm good enough that I can usually say, hey, if you give me this much of a chance, we're actually going to be able to change the physiology. And if we're not able to, then I'm probably not the practitioner for you. And I'm so happy to help you find someone who can really, really make a change and help you because I'm not for everyone. And I really understand that. And everybody is not for me. I think osteopathy can be for everyone. I wish it was covered by OHIP. I'm such a socialist. Like give all of the babies like three osteopathic treatments a year, maybe four like with seasons. Think of it as an oil change or something like that for your vehicle. Like how can we maintain bodies? How can we keep them off of pharmaceuticals? But you see like this isn't a very good like money thing. So anyway, um, coming back to you, I remember a moment with you, Michelle, when I was working on your hip, it was during the third treatment and we got the change that I wanted to see. And sometimes a hip is a hip and sometimes a hip is a uterus, right? So sometimes it's all of those things. So when I'm looking at a structure, when my hands are on a structure, it's not just on a bony structure. We're also thinking about like the muscles and the tendons and ligaments and the fascia, but also what is this neurology plugged into? Where is the blood flow coming to and from the organs? What does the body need in order to function most optimally? We also worked a lot with your thoracic spine and your upper back as it was really not moving in the way that we wanted it to. And now that there is more movement here, your pelvis isn't working as hard. So yeah, when you explained that to me, it was like the most wild thing of how interconnected our body is and how our nervous system, everything. But I remember you shared with me that the bone that, well, it was actually on both my knees, but the bone that kind of attaches to the kneecap wasn't straight. It was a little bit curved. And then that's how I was putting pressure on my hip flexors because they were always turned on. And that was something that all of the trainers I've ever worked with have told me. They were like, your hip flexors are like hyperflexed. Mm-hmm. Like they, they, they're not relaxing. And that's why if I'm doing any core work or stuff like that, it was like, it was going to my hips and it wasn't going anywhere else, but that's because it was so traumatic for them to have to like carry the weight of like my entire body. And then that's when the pain was kind of put on my uterus and the weight was put on my uterus. And like, that's your reproductive system, yeah. right? The hip area. Everything is connected. Everything is is leading in. And then we, we really worked. So the, that like upper leg bone, the femur bone, mm-hmm. which goes in, the head of the femur goes into the acetabulum, goes into the hip, goes into the pelvis. 
We were really working on how you were lining up and loading over your knees to put less lines of tension and also thinking about like nerve supply, blood flow, lymphatic drainage, like working with the body in that way as well. It was so wild. And I remember the third session when you said I got to like where I wanted to be, you were like, stand up. And I remember standing up and I was like, whoa, did I grow an inch? Like yeah. I literally like did not understand. I felt like my body was like stretched out, but obviously not. But right when I got home, I looked in the mirror and my shoulders were nowhere near as concaved as mm-hmm. they used to be. So like that was so, everything was kind of like, it's so wild. I know I'm like repeating over and over again. I'm remembering the first time we talked about you using so much of your hip flexors and not using enough of your deep core, which is something that I am so interested in, like coming from not only a herniated disc in 2003, but re-herniating a disc in 2019, working as an osteopath, doing like an exercise class, like what a thing, realizing that my own biomechanics were so hip flexor dominant, being able to help people do that. And then we helped your body do that as well. Yeah. It was wild and my sleep improved. Yeah. It's like all these things are so connected. And like my hope is for anyone listening that was like thinking about seeing an osteopath or just kind of like, you never know. Like I really did not think in a million years that my bloating, my sleeping periods, everything was so connected. And this type of treatment was like able. Digestion is mechanical, right? Like there's a mechanical process that starts with our senses, starts with saliva, starts with our sense of smell and taste and goes all the way through our bodies. It it is a mechanical thing. So a lot of times when we work with digestion, you know, instead of like adding all of these powders and supplements or taking away different trigger foods, let's look at the mechanics. Let's look at the actual anatomical structures of the body that are responsible for that digestive process that's a really good place to start. I find we don't start there. A lot of times we go towards like adding some things or subtracting the elimination, but let's just like look at the body as it is and can we get it to be functioning more optimally? Mm -hmm. And then another thing, what I really love about kind of your ethos and approach towards things is literally what you just said is like, we don't need to add or take away in terms of like, we have so many supplements being thrown at us left, right, and center, so many different diets, so many different like do this, don't do that. But another thing, so with osteopathy, let's look at, look at the body's mechanics and how they can operate most optimally. But then another thing you're really big on is breath. It is. And that's something that you know, we do every single day. Yeah. So another thing that I think that I want to say as with your case is I think we really did a good job of allowing you to kind of reignite a belief in your body, that your body is self-healing and self-regulating and that your body is like a safe and healthy thing. So we're even finding health in your mind. And that is true because – 
I think when I when I was saying before, like I felt like I was like getting older in my body, but it was something like pre-pandemic, I was extremely quote, I'm saying athletic because it's like I was not an athlete by any means, but I do have this, it's so crazy. I got my DNA tested and I do have this gene that like it's like a, a super sports optimated gene that a lot mm. of like pro athletes do have, but it just says that it all it means is that working out for me or fitness or sports, anything like that, like if I really keep up with it, I could like really exceed and excel in it. So with that being said, I worked out a lot pre-pandemic and that was like not even a release. It was like, I love doing it in my spare time. It kept my schedule like busy, you know, going freelance. You do have a little time pockets that are weird time pockets. So like I would either work out in the morning, in the middle of the day, at night, sometimes twice. And then once a pandemic hit, because I wasn't able to work out at home, I was just like, no, not doing it. And then not doing that for a year and a half and trying to get back into it, noticing how I felt that like my body was so weak and I like wasn't able to do things was the scariest thing. And I shared that with you. And I was like, I can't do what I used to do. Am I ever going to be able to do it again? And I, I definitely know that things take time, but it was scary because I was just like, I can't run. My back hurts. I can't do a sit up. Like I can't do all these things that I used to be able to do. So that was really scary. And I think what you said, just like having me understand mentally that like your body is healthy. We just need to get it through X, Y, and Z and you'll be okay. was definitely like what I needed to hear at the time, but also seeing it physically happen in real time was a huge thing, mm-hmm. you know, but back to breath. Yes. <laughs> because you are so cool. And I'm saying wild because it is wild. You well, I'll let you share that, but I want you <laughs> to kind of explain why breath is so important and how it helps us. And then we can get into what you do. <laughs> <laughs> So I started out as a a meditator. I'm like an elder millennial age. So like an old, old yogi, like over half my life have had yoga in forms of practice. And sometimes I love it and sometimes I hate it and sometimes it's okay, but like definitely have had a relationship there. And then got really into Zen-based meditation. And to me, the best thing for my brain is to go and stare at a wall in a Zen center for a week at a time, sit a sashin, like that is amazing. So that is kind of how, part of the reason how I got into free diving. So free diving is breath hold diving. There's a couple of different mediums. You can take a breath and you see how deep into the ocean you can go. You see how far you can swim in a pool, or you can see how long you can hold your breath. And there's like different kinds of competitions and things like that. And I'm not a competitive freediver, but I'm like a huge lover of the ocean and of this practice. And it really is a moving meditation. And breath work is so important learning how to breathe, using the mechanics of breath, but then also allowing that breath to calm your nervous system. Like low, deep, slow exhalations is such a magical thing. Getting your body so, so relaxed, taking a big, deep breath, 
and then diving down a line. I have only been to 40 meters deep in the ocean, which is like 120 feet and back up on one breath. I hope to train again in warm water. Um, Canada doesn't have like quite as much depth here in Toronto as I know, but I do dive here in the summer. Um, okay, but, wait, so when, <laughs> just so, just so I know, um, just like an idea of like how deep that is, like, can you go all the way down to the bottom of Lake Ontario? Like how deep is the lake? Well, lake Ontario in the center, I don't know. Okay. It's really green and murky. When we dive in Lake Ontario, you only get like 12 meters or something like that, but it's fun. Lake Huron is okay. beautiful. There's some wrecks there that are maybe like 27 meters at the bottom, which is definitely still a challenge because the water is quite cold, even in the summertime. So deep diving in the ocean is definitely my favorite practice. A lot of people think that it is like an extreme sport and adrenaline provoking, but it's actually the opposite, right? Like you have to be so calm. You also have to not really care when I was training for my master's in Utila during the winter of 2020, I kept picturing before each dive, there was this like mattress that I saw in Parkdale and it just like someone spray painted on it, nothing really mattress. And I was like, nothing really mattress. Like it does not matter how deep you go. Like, can you enjoy this? Because if your mind is down like 30 meters or 40 meters, and your mind is like, we hate this, this isn't very nice, I would rather be breathing, you're not going to have a good dive. But if you can be like, oh, isn't this lovely? Like, it's so quiet. It's kind of squeaky. I can feel the ocean squeezing me, giving me a hug. And when you stay calm, you're able to equalize deeper. You're able to have like a more slow and graceful dive. And it's really enjoyable. I think it's amazing. I think it's so, so interesting. What was the longest? I remember you were telling me what was the longest you could hold your breath. So I've done a four minute and 25 second breath hold before. I want to do more, <laughs> but I want to join the five minute club. But sometimes your mind gets in a way and I've had a couple of really bad tries at it or, or not bad, but just like that didn't feel good. And I'm okay sitting around that time. Would you say so much of the practice has to do with like being able to calm your mind and like control the yeah, thought. That's and 100%. And that is like very on brand for me. Like <laughs> yeah. I've been through this lifelong journey of um, five years ago, I had a mental health diagnosis and it was really, it was really awakening to how much the brain is the body, but the brain is the mind. And then how we can actually work with the brain, like how we can work with the mind and and not in this like ableist way of saying, oh, let's all change our mindset. Because like, if you have a brain that is not functioning, that is functioning in a neurodivergent way, you actually like really, it's really, really hard to do that because we're actually looking at like gray matter lighting up one part of your brain and shutting off in another brain. And But once you can understand that, or at least my journey has been really understanding how my brain worked and then being able to introduce practices to actually rewire the circuits in my brain. And it's a daily practice and it's something that I'm really aware of and also try to help people 
in my office as well. So when someone comes in and they've had a setback, you know, their neck went out after having like a really good like mobility in their cervical spine for months and months, we just talk about like knowing that this isn't going to last forever and that it's okay, ways to rest, but like stopping that mental loop of being, of, of the story that we tell of like, oh, this is going to be like this forever. My body is never going to be the way that I want it to be. Like how can we how can we rewrite that narrative in our minds I remember you were telling me that too because you were like by the way Michelle like the last time I saw you before I left it was like by the way Michelle if this does happen again you can't think like that your negative thoughts will just like consume the pain Yeah. And just like, these are some, like you have these skills. Now you have a basis of a body. These are some things you can do when that happens. You also just like, you're, you're friends with it. You know that it's going to happen. Like your body is, we're always on a a journey. It's not linear. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so just in terms of like breath work and meditation, what would your kind of like entry point advice? I'm not telling listeners to get in the water and like that, (laughs) but like at home, like in their bedroom on the floor, just mindfulness, like kind of what type of breath work would you suggest or a meditation, anything like that? Yeah. So that's actually a really interesting question. I, during the pandemic, was teaching breath work and meditation and also like some manual movement. I invented a chair osteopathy class called Osteopathy at Home, really popular with like the 50 plus crowd, but also when people our age did it. Like, what a great way to kind of maintain the work that we're doing in the clinic on your own. I would say that there's like lots out there to explore. If you want to take a free diving class, like maybe that's, there's some really great teachers in Toronto. If you're listening in Toronto, there's some really great teachers in warm places. If you make it to the Caribbean Sea, the Pacific, I'm always really happy to chat about it personally because I love talking about free diving. So you can always message me. Guys, definitely message Julie about it because I've never met anyone that doesn't think it does that. It's so cool, truly. So another thing kind of like what you alluded to is that you, you know, during the pandemic, your focus did have to shift because of course, like you work in person, in real life, touching bodies every single day. So when that happened, how... Like, how did that come into your mind? Like, how were you able to kind of like pivot and bring that into like a URL experience? Yeah, it was really challenging for me, for so many people. But my work is very co-regulating for me as well, like by treating people and helping people like this, like the hands-on one person in a room at a time is definitely like a really big part of my path and like my destiny and my calling. And that was impossible at several chunks of the pandemic. And I taught online. I have taught yoga since 2010 on and off. But I taught online and I had a breathwork class called Breath and Body Works that was also some like different like body 
just like ways to like soothe yourself and like, and with your own hands and use touch and also osteopathy at home. And right now I'm in the beginning of working on osteopathy at home, where you have access to me in different forms through meditation, through breath work, through different ways to move your body to work with different things. So I know for you, we talked about like how to sit in a chair. Um, Probably not how I'm doing right now. <laughs> or me too. We're, we're, <laughs> that's fine as long as you move every yeah. 20 minutes. So just some reminders like that, um, how to engage your core and not your hip flexors. Jaw exercises that if you do for two to three minutes in the evening before you go to bed really helps with any sort of like clenching that people have at night. I know that a lot of times people see me and then we talk about some home care, but after treatment, you're kind of in that like hazy space as well and people forget. So, and I feel like video medium is, is the next best thing to me actually seeing people. And the people that I taught through my classes that I have never met before also reported like re some really great change. Um, I have a friend who came to my breathwork classes almost every week and he talked about like not like feeling a change in his sternum or his breastbone and like the actual lung capacity he had and the way that your ribs move, like 24 working and moving ribs arguably the most important part of things, like having that ability to use our breath in different ways to help soothe us, help energize us. Another thing, because I wasn't able to go and free dive last winter, I got really into cold dipping, which is, is the same thing. It's using your mind to change your physiology, to work with your body. So I would go to Lake Ontario and sit in it for three to five minutes at a time with my little cold dipping group. And I became to, I came to crave it. I came to absolutely love that practice. What were the benefits of that? Well, what would you say some benefits There are of that? so many benefits of cold dipping. Uh, for me, it was a way to know myself deeper, mm -hmm. to challenge myself in a deeper way, a way to interact with non-pristine nature. Like we cannot go into Lake Ontario and drink the water, but you can put your body in a lake and allow that to heal you, especially last winter as like there were so many restrictions here in Ontario. So I really came to to love that practice. Yeah. I personally haven't, I haven't done cold dipping yet. I think I'm going to be visiting soon to be open and I will share more with you listeners when that happens, but inward. Mm -hmm. I'm really excited to do that. Yeah. Um, I've been there. It's amazing. It's, I just don't know how my body will react. Like I don't, I, I'm excited to see yeah. how I'll feel after that and also yeah. how long I can last. Yeah. And you just try it there. There's like definitely a sauna there as well. So you can go and like have that hot, cold experience. Hydrotherapy is like really, really an amazing practice. I'm really into like nature cold dips. I'm doing a retreat in March. Wow. Um, with a friend and like her kind of cold dipping group in New Jersey. It is like a five day cold dipping intensive, like where you're just like hiking in a bathing dipping. suit, <laughs> dipping, being barefoot. Like 
what a great way to yeah. practice. I think <laughs> in the nature component is like the best. Yeah. So great. It's just, I think for me too, it's kind of like that extreme. Oh, like mentally I'm telling myself, I'm going to get sick or I'm going to like feel pain after this, but like, I'm going to do it. Mm-hmm. We'll see how my body accepts it. And then I will give everyone a full review. Yeah. And just you be know? really open to it and, yeah. and allow your body to surprise you. Allow your mind to surprise you. You're mm-hmm. actually really strong. And in where they do like a really, they, they make it a meditative experience for you. They make it so that you're, you know, you're able to kind of like feel your your physiology in like the kind of excitement phase. And mm-hmm. then, you know, the initial like shock phase of the first 30 seconds, focus on your exhale. Like how long, slow, deep can you make your exhale? How calm can you have your breath before that? How present can you be? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I'm excited. But I just want to say that I, what I really love about your practice is that it's like all encompassing. Like there's so many different components. It's not just the manual part. It's like the breath part. It's like the mind part. There's so many different things. So when can listeners anticipate, I know this is a long process, but like, when can we anticipate kind of having that like platform being like born? Because I would love for people to be able to like experience you, but there's only so much of you to physically there's go around. There's only so much of me to <laughs> physically go around. So I really have to say that I don't know. And if anybody out there is listening who who wants to help me or has like skills that I don't have, like, thank you. Because I have my own right. skills and I really want right. to share them. Mm-hmm. And there are like definitely limitations that I have. Yeah. And I'm really all about outsourcing and helping one another. Yeah. Yeah. So whoever's listening that's like in production or anything (laughs) like that, like give Julie a call or a DM. Okay. So before we sign off, first of all, I want to thank you from the bottom of my heart because you have changed my life. And I hope that you know, more people just kind of know and understand the practice. And if it's not you, if there's some anyone else out there that can kind of like help them. I know you have like, you have a whole directory of people that you like recommend, which is incredible. Yeah. I have different recommendations that I send Mm -hmm. people to. Maybe it's an osteopath in a different part of the country Mm -hmm. or a different part of the world. Mm -hmm. But also I have like different practitioners up like who I have seen or who have my patients have seen. And, and I think that that is such an important part of, of healthcare And I know that it's not just me. And I see three different osteopaths, or actually four now, depending on my issue or like what is going on. And that is totally fine. Like I never take offense if people are like, oh, I don't see you anymore. I see someone else. That's all really okay with me. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's great. It's just really important. Like you know you. That's true. Yeah. Yeah. Your body is self-healing and self-regulating and you have to feel safe. And if I'm not the person for you, then that's really okay. We're not for everyone. And I think there's definitely people that struggle to accept that. It's weird. But anyways, (laughs) Julie, thank you. Yeah, you're so welcome, Um, Michelle. Thank you so much. It's, It's a pleasure. 